either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Okay, into mid-January now. Things it looks like things are picking up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Got more to uh, talk about this week, so welcome in. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. Let's start with the new Mean Girls. Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics. An A-list girl click at her new school when she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of Alpha Plastic Regina George. You know the story. It's Mean Girls. Get in, loser. Regina George is a scum-sucking life ruiner. Why is he by our table? I can hear you, by the way. Can you hear me now? We're going to make her pay. Girls are made deranged by what's called hormones. W-H-O. What is going on? Don't worry about it. We as women have to support each other. If you need to talk to me about anything, boy troubles, blackheads, or alcohol poisoning, I have been through it all. <laughs> Rachel Hamilton fills her inhaler with vodka. Oh, that's how you use that. Slay, queens. Slay like no one's watching. But everybody's watching. Because you're gorgeous. Ailey Freilinger has, what's this? Harry Nips. Good Lord. But it's a musical. Right, we have to say that again. Yeah. This is much like in the story of The Color Purple a couple of weeks ago. It's it's based on the musical. The Broadway musical. The Broadway mm-hmm. musical, which was based on the Tina Fey movie from 20 years ago mm-hmm. now. And, of course, that was based on a book called mm-hmm. Qu- uh, Queen Bees and Wannabes. Yep. But Tina Fey wrote the script for the movie. She's also credited with the book for the uh, stage show. She's also credited with the script here. And uh, it sticks very, very close to the original story. Uh Uh, So if you've seen the first movie, you know the deal here. But it updates everything, of course, with songs. Yes. And uh, the the directors are Samantha Jay and Arturo Perez Jr. Most of their resume so far, from what I've seen, has been in TV, Mm -hmm. which does show a little bit, especially with some of the musical numbers. They seemed a little bit constricted to me, but it's still fun. I think we both enjoyed this movie. Uh, I think first of all the the setting and the you know the hyper drama of this high school story I think sort of lends itself to just people bursting into song. It does. It absolutely does. And you know one of the things when you when you turn something into a musical is that you have to make up for all of that new time that's spent on songs and I thought that the way that they kind of used song montages mm-hmm. to move you through the plot more yeah. quickly was very clever. I thought so too. And it only it's just a little under 2 hours. So it moves along pretty well. And most of the songs, I think all of them are not memorable, but some are. And, yeah. so, and some are very catchy and clever yeah. with the wordplay, especially the way they work the songs into updating the the sensibilities, I guess, of the script. Because like I said, some of the script, right down to the, the actual dialogue, stays the same. Right. I mean, you'll definitely feel familiar with this story. It's not. It's no longer set in in you know, 2004. It, it well, is, you know, there's yeah. social media galore. And, right. Which really only adds more anxiety to the it story. It does, because like we were saying, people of a certain age, you think about 
reliving high school, but add in social media, and that is downright horrifying. Yes, it is. Just horrifying. Mm -hmm. And so you see a little bit of that in this, but it still makes it entertaining. And I think a lot of the the credit goes toward this young cast. The young cast is very, very good. Yes, absolutely. Led by, uh, I want to say this right, Angori Rice. She plays Katie. The, Who we love so much oh, in The Nice Guys. This, yes, when she was just a young girl in The yeah. Nice Guys. Then she was in The Beguiled. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't realize till really this film that she's Australian. Right. Yeah, but uh, she takes over the, the main part, the Lindsay Lohan part. She comes in. She was homeschooled in Kenya. And then her family moves to just outside of uh, her. She moves with her mom to just outside of Chicago. And she's the new girl. So she's shown some pity, some lunchtime pity by uh, her first friends, Damien and Janice. And they're great. Damien is played by a brand new performer. I think this is his first screen credit, Jaquel Spivey. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. He is. He's really, 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 good. really good. And then Janice is played by Aluli Cravalho, who was the voice of Moana. And then she was so also, you know she can sing. Yes, and she was also in this movie I liked called Crush on Hulu. But she's yeah, great. She is she's very great. good, and she does have a tremendous voice. And so does the girl that plays uh, Regina George, Renee Rapp. Yeah, she's great too. Uh, yeah, the main uh, she's she says in song that she's a, a, a massive deal, right. <laughs> Regina George. Um, so yeah, it's it's the same deal. Katie agrees to infiltrate. Regina and her clique and then report back. Mm-hmm. But of course, things get sticky when she falls for Aaron Samuels, uh, which is Regina's ex. And then she gets kind of pulled in to the lure of social, of um, popularity, know, cutthroat social climbing yeah. and popularity. Exactly. So uh, it follows the same the same type of trajectory. Uh, Tina, both Tina Fey and Tim Meadows, they reprise their roles mm-hmm. As the principal and, and the teacher, and they're they're both. I mean, Tim Meadows is so funny, just being an exasperated yeah, yeah. adult. With Good these lord! Kids. Good lord! He yeah. says that all the time. Yeah. And I think the the weak spot here for me was John Hamm. Not that he's bad, because he's very very funny. But well, we I th- wanted more. I think he's in the trailer more than he's in this movie. Yeah, we he's wanted more. Really wanted more because he's the coach who who of course gets the job of teaching sex ed, and mm-hmm. she has no business doing. And uh, he's very, very funny in the few minutes that he's that he's uh, on screen. I would have liked to have seen more. And also, Busy Phillips does a good job. She takes over the role of Mrs. George, you know, Regina's mom, who just wants to be friends. Oh yeah, and relive. She's her. the cool mom she's the with cool so mom. many O's. Yeah, she adds some some self aware humor yeah, to it. She's funny. If you know anything about her backstory, so yeah, all the cast is really, really good. And you know, I- I've seen some people comment about the fact that it's not really. You know, bringing anything new to the to the story, but it, I find that funny because it's the musical didn't either. The musical told the same story, and this is, you know, reimagining the musical on screen. Now, it doesn't bring a new layer of meaning like the color purple did to its source novel. No, I wouldn't go that far. I thought it was perfectly. It also, doesn't have the same source material. <laughs> well, I mean, Alice Walker's book has plenty to pull from. That, that's exactly you know, right. But I mean, just, if you're looking for yeah. no, I want something totally new. Why? Yeah. The, if, if you know that this is based on a musical, which was based on, and, and the musical followed the same story too. So I don't get that. But I still think it's fun. Yeah, I, th- it's I think fine. I think it. Twenty years later, I think it gives maybe people who liked the movie then as younger people and now have kids. There could be some common ground there to sure. both enjoy it. I think so. So yeah, is it great? No, but it's totally, totally entertaining. I I'd think. like to point out that I'm aware of the fact that there exists. I've clearly not seen it. A mean. Excuse- uh, a Heather's musical, a oh, Broadway show, okay. Heather's musical. I never saw it. 
for me, and I, I enjoy Mean Girls, the, the 2004 film, mm-hmm. although not as much as a lot of people, because to me, it's just a toothless Heathers. I yeah. love Heathers. Heathers is great. And so I'm hoping that the Heathers musical comes. That would be because, great, as yeah. you know, I don't care for the musical, <laughs> no, you don't. But I love Heathers, and I would love a Heathers musical, so yeah, I'm putting as, it out there. As a the high world. school satire, Heathers definitely has more bite than Mean Girls. Yes. But it, Mean Girls definitely gets its shots in, and I think this does a pretty good job of updating with with the time. So all in all, pretty entertaining, we thought, uh, even from someone over there who doesn't like musicals no. at all. And that is the new musical Mean Girls. Did we mention there was a musical? <laughs> there are songs <laughs> in Mean Girls out in theaters now. Next up, one of the best of the year, because this one still qualifies for 2023 mm-hmm. awards season for sure. It's a novelist who's fed up with the establishment profiting from black entertainment, using a pen name to write a book that propels him to the heart of hypocrisy and the madness he claims to disdain. It's American fiction. We sold a book. No. We believe Mr. Lee has written a bestseller. It's a joke. The most lucrative joke you've ever told. Now, is Stag a pseudonym? Yeah, Mr. Lee can't use his real name. Is this based on your actual life? Yeah, you think some bitch-ass college boy can come up with that shit? No, 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 I don't. This has gone too far. Stag R. Lee is still on the run for authorities. You haven't done anything. It's not like they can arrest you. I could go back to not selling books. Is it bad to cater to people's tastes? People want to love you, Monk. You should let them love all of you. There's already so much buzz because of the movie deal. Michael B. Jordan is circling. We want to put him on the cover in one of those um, uh, scarves, I guess you would call them, tied around his head. A do-rag? Do-rag, that's it. Do-rag and a tank top with the muscles showing. Oh, something called the fire department. <laughs> We're thinking we can get it out in time for Juneteenth. Boy, this is a smart and funny and well-acted, just one one of the best films we saw last year. Yeah, there's no question. The whole ensemble is so, so great, but Jeffrey Wright is the lead, and you know, he's 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 never done a bad job. I mean, he's, a, he's an amazing actor, an amazing character actor, generally speaking. Rarely is he the lead, and he carries this movie so gracefully and with such... He just bristles, and he's mm-hmm. so funny. He's so funny. This is such a funny movie that I'm not sure everybody kind of maybe knows. Like, you don't maybe yeah. realize going into it. This is really, really funny. It is funny, but it's smart, too. Oh, it's so, and, yeah. And what it has to say. Yeah, he plays Thelonious Monk. That's his nickname, obviously, Ellison. And he he's this author who ends up living a double life because this book that he wrote as sort of a I don't want to call it a joke. It was like a like it was like an fu an to FU, publishing. Yes, that that he thought was was publishing books that took advantage of the white uh, appetite for black trauma, right? And just feeding it and feeding it and selling out and making money off that. And he, yeah, he he thought he was against every part of that, but then he found that when he went whole hog and just created this totally fake character of this author that he was called Stag R. Lee. (laughs) And this backstory that it took off and then he sort of got caught up in what he was against. Everything he was against was making him money at a time that his family situation required him to have money. He needed money. Yeah, I think that's um, there's a tremendous amount of very, very savvy social commentary happening here. And it's and it's not um, in any sort of a superficial way. I mean, it's it's really complex the way that Core Jefferson, the writer-director, 
kind of kind of uh, deconstructs all of the different issues around uh, a particular type of of literature and really I think probably any sort of media that seems to be very pandering in this particular way. But I think the reason that it really really works is that it is hung on the core story of this man who doesn't want to have to step up and take over the decision making and the finances of his family but he his extended family his mm-hmm. his mother his brother but he he kind of has to right and so you know under normal circumstances this he's a college professor he's very much like flip the bird at the establishment and everybody else and uh, this thing that he did is kind of a mean-spirited joke he doesn't have much of a choice but to go along with it because he needs the money. And that's the the inner conflict. And then at home, he's pretending not to be this thing. And then at work, of course, he is pretending to be this thing. And it's it's just, it's balanced really well because one of the things that then happens is that he has to see that he's also saying to black artists, I don't think you have the right to take advantage of opportunities to be wildly successful <laughs> and so and i love that There's additional a, layer and yeah. Issa Rae is great Issa Rae in this plays movie. A, a best-selling author who he th- really throws some shade at and looks down his nose because of this sort of books that she's writing and that she's profiting from and there's a great back and forth between the two of them when they're both asked to judge this contest where his book is in is is being rated while he doesn't you know, own up. To, they don't know it's to his. being the the uh, using that pseudonym. So yeah, it is fascinating, especially when they go back and forth. And your and and Cord Jefferson, the uh, the co writer and director, is bouncing off these great counterpoints, counterpoints off these two characters. Yeah, it, it's wonderful, and there it's full of great performances. Not only Jeffrey Wright, uh, Leslie Uggams plays his mother. Sterling, uh, K. Sterling Brown. K. Brown plays his uh, his brother. Fantastic. And you've got these little uh, other side characters, people like Adam Brody, uh, oh, Tracy Ellis Ross yeah. pop up. So you'll see a lot of familiar faces. But it's yeah, it's it's a great, great script. You know and what else? I just want a quick shout out to two really lovely middle aged romances. Yeah, just that's pop true. up throughout this movie. That's uncommon. Yeah, <laughs> in films you don't get to see like normal people, middle aged normal people in sweet romances. Yeah, because that's, that's and they do, and I love that. That's one of the times when he has to not own up to being Stag R. Lee. He's, he gets a girlfriend, yeah. and then he keeps that he keeps that part of it quiet. So you're right. He's living two different lives in two different ways, and it's, it's just fascinating and smart and funny and definitely one of the best of the year, and I hope it continues to get all this uh, award consideration oh, because yeah. it certainly, certainly deserves it. And that is getting a wider release uh, this weekend, but it's certainly ca- it's still counted as a 2023 movie. So go see it. It's called American Fiction. Action thriller next. One man's brutal campaign for vengeance takes on national stakes after he is revealed to be a former operative of a powerful and clandestine organization known as Beekeepers. It's the Beekeeper. You're telling me one man did this. The only thing you know is he's a beekeeper. A beekeeper, a beekeeper? Well, that's not good. Beekeepers is a special program outside the chain of command. I protect the hive. When the system is out of balance, I correct it. We have laws for these things. Until they fail, then you have me. You are a problem. Goddamn right, I'm a problem. I figured I'd give the firefighters a break. Somebody detain this guy. We have to kill him before he kills his way to the top. Honey? 
It's flammable. Who knew? Grown. Jason Statham. It is plug and play Jason Statham. You pretty much know how it's going to go, but he, yeah, early on in the film, he is a mild-mannered actual beekeeper in rural Massachusetts until such time as a fishing cybercrime firm calls and scams his only friend, Felicia Rashad, so bad that she kills herself. Then it is time for vengeance, not only on the the brick-and-mortar building where this firm sets up shop, but all the way up the chain of command to the very, Queen very Bee. top. Yeah, who is really pulling the strings on this? The CEO, Derek Danforth, played by uh, Josh Hutcherson yeah. in full D-bag mode. Mm-hmm. So you get you get the gist right there. I mean, it comes off like a discarded idea from the first Denzel Equalizer film, right. really, all the way to the head of the yeah. snake. And it's a writer, Kurt Wimmer, director David Ayer, David who Ayer. did Fury. He did um, End of Watch back in the day. Did Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah, this is a disappointing. Really, is. except for one really great sequence in an elevator. Give you that. I'd say the rest of it is is. Yeah. I mean, it's so like you say, plug and play Statham. It is. I don't think there's anything. There are no characters that are interesting. Certainly, his character isn't interesting. I don't think there are any plot twists that you don't see coming. I don't think that the action sequences are that interesting. No, I don't. On either. the whole, it is nice to see Jeremy Irons, who he shows up as a a friend of Josh Hutcherson, who used to be a CIA director, so he's got connections. He's able to get the lowdown on who this guy is, and he won't be so easy to take out. And there's the mini driver flyby. Mini driver's in it for like two minutes. Oh, yeah. Uh, who, I think she plays the current CIA yeah. director who says, yeah. oh, he's a beekeeper? Well, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. And then he just starts you know, coming after everybody. And you're right. The sequence in the elevator was pretty cool. It was. Um, it takes a very gory turn. Very gory turn. Thank you. And then, <laughs> and then a little clever, a little clever twist at the end. So yeah, I'll give him that. Other than that, very generic. And it just reminds you of how brilliant Jason Statham's role in the comedy Spy was yeah. because that was so funny because of movies like this. I wish I remember years ago when we found out Channing Tatum was good if he was in comedy films yeah. and then all of a sudden people kept giving him more comedy films. Yeah. I wish Jason Statham would do more comedies because he's really funny. Well, and that one too, especially because he was basically just lampooning himself, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Give him all the props Made for it, that. didn't I? He but was so good so in that movie. funny. Yeah, this one... Definitely, yeah. Only if you just love his films, whatever, because you know yeah. what's coming, and you'll get it, but uh, not not very interesting other than that. And that is in theaters now, The Beekeeper. <laughs> Got a fascinating comedy drama next. Struggling to find a better life, Clarence is captivated by the power of the rising messiah and soon risks everything to carve a path to a divine existence. It's the Book of Clarence. Clarence, he needs miracles. I have a plan. God sent me to deliver his message. I am your new Messiah. Blasphemous swine! Ah, stop that! Your God is a myth! For yourselves, there is no Messiah. Clarence, if you'll be so kind to walk on water. Damn. This is Lakeith Stanfield who plays Clarence, who is. 
Thomas, the apostle doubting Thomas, Thomas's twin brother. So mm-hmm. he also pays Thomas, of course. And um, and Clarence is a non-believer. He believes in logic. And uh, through a series of, of unfortunate events, because he's also kind of a mischief maker and he gets himself into a lot of trouble and he owes somebody a lot of money and he's going to die. So he decides if he can't become an apostle, he's just going to become the Messiah. He's right. just going to he's just going to mimic what Jesus does and become the Messiah because he's convinced everything Jesus is doing. They're all just tricks. They're tricks. It's just a con. And he wants in on this. He wants that life. Right. And uh, and it's it's interesting. There are also a lot of, of so, sort of odd, surreal flourishes throughout the movie. There is some very um, surprising humor really? you know, throughout yeah. the movie and and uh, and a little bit of music here and there. There's oh, a definitely, dance sequence, yeah. You know? In fact, I think the writer-director, James Samuel, who did The Heart of They Fall, mm-hmm. the Western, which we liked a lot, he does the music as well. And the music placement is very good, and it looks very good. It and does. you're right, you're going along, because it's, if you can't haven't guessed, it takes on some big topics. Yeah, it does. Big topics, but it does throw in some really funny moments as well. Yeah, one of the, I mean, one of the things I like. So I like the title, "The Book of Clarence," because one of the things about you know the the Bible, uh, you got books of the Bible, and they they retell the same story. Right. It's just four retellings of the exact same story. It's not like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John took on different segments of history. And so every with every retelling, certain details change. You know, and so I think it's fascinating because one of the things this film does is. It hits on a lot of the same moments, but the details change. Yeah. And so yeah. I love that that it's called the Book of Clarence because it brings to mind that, you know, I mean, these things that, you know, I love that. Of course, more than anything, you love that that the film reclaims the color because, of course, Jesus wasn't white. Mm-hmm. He was Middle Eastern. Right. So I love that as well. But they have but, a great, that's one of oh, the funniest parts. So great. And we're not going to spoil no, it. No. They have, but they address it head on and it's do. funny. It is really um, funny. You know, and also the way that it, it, it just, you know, makes sort of universal, but not heavy handed, I don't think, commentary about kind of the oppressed and oppressors. Yeah. Just the things that you're going to see no matter what population you're talking about, about the oppressed and the, about the oppressors. I think that it makes them some salient universal points about that. And I think it makes also some great points about remaking Jesus and God to fit your own beliefs. Like, oh, no, this is how Jesus would have would have viewed this issue or whatever, and pretending that this person or this issue is God-like or Jesus-like right. when, ha, ha, you know, maybe not. Maybe this is only because you find it convenient. But I do have to say, I mean, the in the end, the way that the story handles kind of the um, the opposition of logic versus faith. I can't say that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like there was, a, uh, you know, I just, I did. I felt like it kind of, if it was going to begin by pitting those two things against each other, I guess I thought that it, I don't know, uh, dodged a punch or something with the it, way that it resolved that. Okay. It does feel at times a little bit long. It's it's over two hours. Oh, yeah, but, it does. Uh, I think mainly, it could have lost some time. Yeah, sure. but really, it, it still held my attention throughout. It's, it's got a great cast as well. Keith Stanfield is great right at the top. But you'll see Alfre Woodard and David Oyelowo and uh, James McAvoy and Tayana Taylor, Marianne Jean-Baptiste as well. It's a great ensemble cast and just a really ambitious project that is uh, that is really well written and I, I love when somebody takes on these big ideas oh, yeah, and has very something to say and, yes and and it's, yes. it's so fascinating the way it's put together yeah and maybe not as you say maybe not everything works quite as well as you might like it to but it's it's worth seeing oh, it's for worth sure. seeing and this is a definitely a, a, a filmmaker a writer and director to continue to keep an eye on James Samuel and that is the book of Clarence out in theaters now 
One next that's in theaters and VOD, a journey of curious tensions and bonds between two and at times three interesting characters all on their own path. It's called He Went That Way. I just got pushed. I was tired of people, tired of the line. I was thinking about a deal for us. I'll take you as far as I'm going. No trouble, no police. What's in it for you? When we get to Chicago, you let me go. I catch a liar lying to me. I'm gonna discharge nobody from down the road. Freak for a brother and a drunk for a dad. Maybe I can be better. You are better, Bobby. If I can teach a chimpanzee how to play the piano, then you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> let's go, let's go! What the hell did you do back there, Bobby? You deserve respect, and respect means honesty. You used me. You said we had a deal. You said you're a straight shooter, but you're not. So we're gonna be straight with each other from here? So hey, George, what's the weirdest movie we watched this week? It's this one, and I really <laughs> knew very little, if next to nothing about it. No. Except I, I knew the stars. You've got Zachary Quinto, mm-hmm. who plays uh, Jimmy. Who, he's the, the mild-mannered animal trainer who's driving across the country, and he picks up Bobby, played by Jacob Elordi, who's everywhere. All, all, <laughs> yes. everywhere. And the, other than that, though, I came to find out that it's based on a real-life account of celebrity animal trainer Dave Pitts, who is the sole survivor, was the sole survivor of serial killer Larry Rain's killing spree. That's insane. It's crazy. And you actually, at the very end of the movie, there's a little bit of an interview clip from the real guy talking about it. It's nuts. Yeah. So anyway, so so basically, um, Zachary Quinto plays plays the Dave part, except his name is Jimmy. And he is an animal trainer. He's got his chimpanzee in the back of the car, mm-hmm. in, in this cage. And is a star chimpanzee. He's been in shows and circuses, and everybody knows... Uh, the chimp from TV, but the, the it's not Gordy. Is the, it? It's not Gordy. But the <laughs> gigs, the gigs are drying up now, and he's having a hard time, hard time booking. So anyway, he's he's driving across the country, and he decides just to pick up. He sees uh, Bobby uh, hitching a ride. He picks him up, and then he finds out not too far into the drive that Bobby can be a bad character. And then Bobby <laughs> finds out that there's a chimp in the back, and he's like, "What the?" But he knows he knows the chimp from TV, so he's captivated and. The first thing you notice about the chimp is it's clearly a little person in a suit. Right. So that throws you a little bit, hmm, okay. <laughs> um, but then you find out, I'm not going to spoil it, that toward the end you kind of find out why it's a it's a person in a suit. But anyway, you have to get past that and, and realize that uh, it, it can be funny at times, but also this is a real serial killer who killed people, uh, and so it's not so funny at times. But mainly it's a fascinating chance for these two actors to carve out these two characters and and for the uh, director to showcase the director is Jeffrey Darling and the writer is Evan M. Weiner and he's based on a book to showcase sort of that Americana driving across the country mm-hmm. back in, in the 60s you know and it's these roadside diners and these old time gas stations and things like that and it's it's shot really well the production design and it's a different sort of a, a lost Americana I guess but at the same time these two fascinating characters one who can be brutally evil and the other one who just keeps giving trying to find the tenderness in him no you're you know we can we can make this happen and we'll get and everything and i won't talk to the cops and we'll it's it's just a fascinating interplay between these these two characters and and then when you throw in the fact like it said in the synopsis that sometimes three because this chimp is involved as well 
you're, you're just kind of wow. Yeah. And then you realize this a lot of this really happened. It's based on a, a real account of a, someone who let killed a lot of people, but let this guy live. He's the only survivor. So it's it is fascinating. I don't think it's going to tear up the box office by any means. <laughs> But it is available on VOD as well, mm-hmm. and it's really it's a good character study and two really solid acting jobs by Quinto and and Jacob Lordy. So if that sounds sounds good to you, check it out. It is it is just fascinating, uh, and it's only about an hour and a half too, so it's a it's a quick one. Uh, it's called He Went That Way. Well, let's go to Shudder. We love the Shudder. Struggling prog rock musician William Brown finds himself in a living nightmare when he accidentally kills Vlad, the neighbor from hell. It's called Destroy All Neighbors. No! somebody. Relax. Just need to know how to get rid of a body. Hello, Wheelie. I'm not a mass murderer. I'm a mass manslaughterer. It's time to make a hit record. <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> shut up. You didn't hear that, did you? You yelling shut up at nobody? Yeah, I heard it was very loud. That is not what rock and roll is all about. Let's rock! You're a loser and you're gonna die a loser. Now that was rock and roll. Stop. Just be cool. And don't murder anyone else. This is a fun one over on Shudder. It's, uh, you know, it's a horror comedy. Very much heavier on comedy than on horror William is just this put upon nice guy who just keeps saying yes to things that he doesn't want to say yes to. And he's he's trying to carve out enough time to finish his prog rock album. <laughs> he's been working on the album for quite a while, like eight years. But he's down <laughs> to the last song and he really thinks he almost has it. You know, but everybody in the apartment that building that he he lives in is either too annoying or needs his help. And then he goes to the radio or the, the recording studio where he works as an engineer and uh, and it's uh, his boss is Thomas Lennon, right from uh, Reno nine one one. Jim Dangle. Jim Dangle. He's hilarious as always. And they have uh, they have like a, a has been you know nineties rocker who is recording his album there, and they make fun of him, and he feels bad about himself. And then as he goes home and he's super dejected, a new guy is moving into the apartment right next door, and it's actually Alex Winter who co-produces and yeah. has uh, he also has a, a, another cameo out of costume, and he's just wearing this huge suit of all kinds of craziness, and his name is Vlad, and he's got this big, (laughs) thick accent, and he just makes noise all the time. He's always got really loud music all the time. He's always sort of screaming and grunting, and it's because he's always working out, and and, uh, poor William can't get anything done. And so then what happens is that William accidentally kills Vlad, and then he accidentally kills a whole bunch of other people. (laughs) hate when that happens. I know, and what it all comes down to is that he's got to get this prog rock album done. And it's a, what, what I think what it really excels at is just pointing out you are probably the only thing standing in your way of completing something that you want to complete. It's your own insecurity that once it's done, it'll suck. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> uh, and it's charming and it's fun. It's not a great movie, but it's very entertaining. And it also, if you've ever been plagued by a bad neighbor... And it'll, we have. It'll hit you, especially yeah. in the in the not so sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, on Shutter. Destroy all neighbors. Well, let's stay with VOD, a sci-fi comedy thriller. Five eclectic women journey into the vortexes of Sedona, where they are forced to confront the resurgence of their traumatic memories through shadow work. It's called Reflect. Why'd you really come on this trip? I love you. 
love you. Love you too. She's all just up on our happy pills. We're not sinking. We're sinking. We're not sinking. Maybe these vortexes are doorways to other dimensions. I'm not down for being killed by shadow people. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com. Shadow work is a real thing. I was unaware of it. It is. Yeah, and uh, it's like a face your demons kind of uh, therapy. Therapy, yeah. And these women all um, go into the desert to do this. And what they don't know is that they are unwittingly participating in a reality TV show. So it's um it's a, a sort of a, a horror dramedy comedy situation that's that's mainly quite good when it focuses on the five women who are uh, facing their their trauma. It stumbles a little bit when it it, it jumps over to the the two producers of the show and mm-hmm. the whole sort of reality TV show. It just loses its tone there a bit. So it's a little bit uneven, but on the whole, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it's writer director Dana Kippel. And you can find uh, Rachel's full review at madwolf.com. And again, that is on VOD now. And uh, yeah, Rachel liked it pretty well. Mm-hmm. And it's called Reflect. And one more on VOD this week. It's a psychological thriller about a woman who uses her virtual reality therapy to exact revenge on her former friends. This is called Clear Mind. Hi, Shelby. <gasps> oh, did you kill something? Well, yes, probably. None of this is real. What? Clear Mind is all about finding a safe space to release aggression in a controlled setting. Revenge fantasies, but with a therapeutic goal. What the? It's like death, but with a safety net. So you're all fine. I don't feel good. You got a body in there? Hey, is that blood? No one's trying to kill us with an axe. What? Oh my god, oh my god! The only way to regenerate, the only way to begin again... What's to die? Nora is player one, so it's not game over until... Until she is. <laughs> so you've got therapy angle that we right. just talked about reflect. You've got the revenge angle that we talked about with Beekeeper. Just um, bring them together. So here you go. And this one called A Clear Mind that Brandon Thomas reviewed for us at uh, madwolf.com and he liked this especially the interplay again with the characters because he, he said there's a lot of dialogue in this movie but it's written well enough that it doesn't feel overly chatty yeah it you know it's it's a, it's another one that's kind of a horror comedy but right. it's it's mainly a comedy and it's a savvy one and a fun one it's it's it kind of pulls some punches when it comes to the horror side but if that's not what you're looking for anyway i think that it's a it's a good time yeah, actually, it's listed, I think, here, at least on IMDb, more as a thriller. So so you can't don't have to be worried about being too right, gory scary. or too scary. But uh, Brandon certainly liked the uh, the interplay and the writing and, and the characters. And you can find his full review at madwolf.com. And that is on VOD now, and it's called Clear Mind. Hey, look who's back. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back in the lobby. We missed him last week, but he's back better than ever. Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, for the latest news and notes. What's happening? Well, first up, some films you can watch right now. Uh, Ridley Scott's Napoleon has now hit premium VOD and should probably be hitting Apple TV Plus in the coming months. No word yet on that supposed four-hour cut, but I'll keep you posted on that one. Okay. And uh, on the flip side, 
Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon is now available to stream on Apple TV+. Plus. That's already nearly four-hour cut, so three and a half, yes. I think. <laughs> but worth no eight-hour cut of that. One. <laughs> and also a bit of an older movie, but um, Neon's new 4K restoration of Park Chan Wook's 2003 classic Old Boy Woo! is now available to stream on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. watch it. Do it yet? There Very it nice. is. Very nice. Taika Waititi's Next Go Wins will hit premium VOD on January 16th. And then also on that day will be the Epic Pictures release of Last Night at Terrace Lanes, which is a um, a siege movie where a bunch of teens have to defend their bowling alley from cultists. And it was co-written by horror author Adam Cesare, so might be one to look out for. Yeah. Uh, Joe Lynch's Suitable Flesh will hit Shudder on January 26th. That's a good one. And then pivoting, but staying in horror, coming on February 14th, just in time for Valentine's Day, is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. If you love slasher versions of Pooh and Piglet, get ready for more. And I believe Owl, Rabbit, and Tigger are joining the fray this time. I just, could it it couldn't be worse than the first one, though, right? I mean, it couldn't be lazier and less fun than the first. I mean, it couldn't be. Don't challenge him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Don't, Don't lay down that gauntlet. <laughs> uh, February 16th, we'll see the theatrical release of the military thriller Land of Bad, which stars Russell Crowe, Liam Hemsworth, Luke Hemsworth, and Milo Ventimiglia, and it's directed by underwater director William Eubank. So hopefully that'll be a classier DTV joint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we've got some theatrical date shifts. Um, for the most part, they're all movies coming out sooner. Bit of a change of pace for us. Yeah. yeah. Ghostbusters Frozen Empire has moved up by one week. It'll now hit the big screen on March 22nd. Following on from that, Warner Brothers has moved up the release of Godzilla X Kong The New Empire by two weeks to March 29th. The bad news on that front is that Warner Brothers has pulled um, Bong Joon-ho's new sci-fi movie, Mickey 17, from its March 29th release date, but kind of didn't figure we would be getting it then anyway because we didn't have any trailers for it yet. Mm. Apparently, they just need an extra bit of time on post due to the strikes. They didn't finish all their ADR okay. sessions. Right. So nothing to worry about on that one. Okay. And Universal has set an April 19th release date for their horror comedy Abigail from Radio Silence. Yeah. Filmmakers behind Ready or Not, and it's technically a Universal Monsters movie. Really? So, yes. Daughter of Dracula. Oh, okay. <laughs> it definitely, when, when I watched the trailer, it definitely had a ready or not kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Looks like a nice sister film. And the last thing I've got for you is Disney has moved up the release of Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes by two weeks to May 10th. All right. Okay. Got some movement there. Like you said, much, a lot of it is coming sooner than later, which is a change of pace. All right. Thank you. You can always uh, keep up on the latest news with Daniel. Follow him on the socials at the Schlocketeer. Thank you much. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, looking ahead to next week. Boy, one that we've been looking forward to. The latest from Ava DuVernay called Origin is out next week. Also, a great one that will break your heart called All of Us Strangers. Freud's Last Session is out. The End We Start From. Also, Project Dorothy. Cult Killer. And ISS. Those are all out next week. But what do you think about this week? Where are you on the uh, on the Mean Girls debate? Uh, let us know. Are American fiction so good? You like Jason Statham and the Beekeeper? We love to keep the conversation going. Easy to do that. You can find us on Twitter anytime. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram. 
You can find us at Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie only podcast called Fright Club, which we're going to record a brand new one tonight. Tenth anniversary. Oh. Ten years of Fright Club, Ten man. Ten years of Fright Club. Crazy. We're going to go in front of the crowd and show a movie and record a podcast. So that'll be out uh, soon. You can find all that at madwolf.com. So uh, enjoy the movies. Be well. We'll talk next week. Until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. Get in, loser. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.